Hello and welcome to another episode of Theology in the Raw. I am here with my wife, Chris Sprinkle, and we are going to do a joint episode on parenting in the raw. So what I did is I asked several of my Patreon supporters, actually I asked all my Patreon supporters to ask a bunch of questions that are parenting specific. Now they don't have to be parents, they can be Single people, aspiring parents, former parents, or just uh, people who have questions about maybe their own parents. So anything parental related uh, was fair game. So they sent in a bunch of questions. And I got to admit, when I got these questions, I was like, oh, no, here we go. Like they, <laughs> I titled it Parenting in the Raw, and they asked some really raw questions. And so um, how do you feel about that, Chris, how, these raw questions? Yeah, a little nervous. <laughs> okay, so we'll see how honest we are. I mean, I told my wife, I said, hey, look, um, yeah, we can edit this out. If we start going down a road, we're like, you know what? I don't know if I want, you know, 5,000 people listening to what we're talking about here. Um, then we can always edit it out. But I mean, I said that, but I don't think I'm going to do any editing, quite honestly. So <laughs> yeah. we'll just, and uh... we didn't really get a chance to talk these over. We both <laughs> read about read them. So I just emailed these questions to my wife as she was up in her office. And I said, all right, we're going to do a podcast here in a few minutes. So just read over them. And here we are in my basement. And yeah, we did not actually talk through how we're going to answer these. Now, let me just say up front, too, to y'all and also to my wife, like we may actually disagree on some stuff here, which is totally fine, because... If you think that parents agree across the board on everything, then that's fake parenting. That's not parenting in the raw. So I, you know, as I was looking through these though, I think, I don't know. I think we're going to have similar perspectives on most of them at least. So should we jump in? Yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom or anything before we jump in? No, it's no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess, let me say this though. I parenting is not for the faint hearted and we I mean, there's few nights when we go to bed at night thinking, you know what? We really nailed it today. Totally perfect parents today. We, we did everything we should have done. So like, this is not, so what we're going to say in response to these questions is not necessarily prescriptive. I mean, if I feel really strongly about something or you do too, we can say, you know what, man, I really think this is what parents should do in this situation. But for the most of these questions, I'm like, man, I don't know. This is what we've kind of done uh, maybe we change our view on some things, but we're in the journey trying to figure it out. We have kids 10, 12, 14, and 16, and we, uh, yeah, we're in the middle of it. We're in the thick of it. So we are not here to say, here is what we have done right, and I need you all to follow exactly what we've done. We are not at all uh, approaching this that way. That's why we called it Parenting in the Raw. This is really, yeah, we're, we're right in the thick of it. And I feel like as soon as you think that you have it and you ha- did it well and you're like, we figured it out, is when it gets all mixed up, different changes in life, different st- situations, chapters, and all of a sudden you're back to feeling like, I do not know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, I would say, well, I would say one of the things that we have always done from the time we um, had little kids is we were always picking people's brains. Yeah. So I feel like anytime there is... Um, other parents, we just said, what do you do about this? And not for the reason that we would do exactly what um, they do, but just to find out how are people doing it. And I think both of us are big question askers for those of you who really do know us, (laughs) you would (laughs) probably affirm that. And so I have always loved asking people questions like how, what do you do about this? And what, you know, how did you take care of this? So that was, um, I think, you know, that was one thing just um, up front. So I feel like it's it's always changing and yeah. it's never will be the same and work for one kid and everything doesn't work the same for each kid. And so one of the things that we actually, it's kind of humorous though, 
Should I say this? Every now and then we'll, we'll meet somebody that's like, maybe they just had a kid. They're six months old or maybe they mm-hmm. haven't even had a kid yet, but they have like their whole future parenting kind of laid out and they're really confident. Yeah. In, oh, this is what we're going to mm-hmm. do. We're going to do this. We're not going to do that. Da-da-da, boom, boom. This schooling, that schooling. This is, and it's like, oh yeah. We kind of look at each other like, well, we yeah, did that too though. We were always that. like, oh, we'll never let our kids do this. <laughs> we, we will not we were do that. Yeah, oh, of course. Everyone, <laughs> That's I mean, terrible. Everyone would be lying if they didn't admit that. So yes, I feel like you, you set, you start off by your ideal and then you realize, yeah, none of that works. <laughs> that standard just keeps coming down and down. Yeah. yeah. If I was a parent, I would do that, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Well, let's jump in and maybe we will kind of discuss not only the questions that are thrown at us, but maybe some, you know, underlying principles that uh, are more general. So I guess we, well, we could just start by saying one thing, like just is that I think you and I would both agree and say that we just love parenting. So like we just have just really enjoyed it. I've never been someone that has like needed a lot of me time. And so uh, feeling like, Oh, I just need a break from the kids. uh, You've probably never heard me say that. And it's not, it's not like I don't cover that up. It's just, I don't really feel like that. I just, we really love parenting. We love, I I love trying to figure out how it can work and how we can make it better and how we can make our family better. And so I think it's just like countless hours of just really trying our absolute best Mm -hmm. as to try to figure out um, how to parent them well and how to love them well and how to be um, examples and just build and hold really strong relationships with them. So I feel like, um, it, it's not, it's not easy and it's not quick. It just feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, just hours and hours and hours of just, um, working through, um, figuring it out. So yeah. I think just, you know, I just wanted to say that first. And I would say that's not really normal though, right? Like most women that I know, most mothers, would say that they do need some alone time, would you yeah, say? Yeah, and like, it's not yeah. wrong. It's not, it's, right. I mean, you're just saying that this is the way you're wired. Like, yeah, you think through like, this stuff like all day long and enjoy it. And yeah. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the first one. Okay. Um, since this is in the raw, this is the first question. Um, I'm wondering if you could address the issues of body image, modesty, et cetera. What do you teach your kids about their bodies? Do you have a more relaxed or conservative approach to family members being undressed around each other? such as while bathing or other contexts in the home? Do you have rules or guidelines for your kids about what kinds of clothes they must wear in public? Do you have thoughts on how to encourage kids through their words, examples to grow up, hopefully being comfortable in their own skin, having healthy body image, stewarding their bodies in a holy way, etc.? I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how different approaches could affect children in positive or negative ways. I realize that different cultures and different families can have widely varying approaches to these things. This is a super good question, and we have... Uh, three daughters, uh, two are teenagers, one's a preteen, about to be a teenager, and a 10-year-old son. And so this is a very live um, and a very real day-to-day conversation for us. Um, do you want to jump in here and take a stab at it? I mean, I'll say just on a 30,000-foot level, yeah, this is, this is a ongoing conversation, e- even if it's not explicit. I mean, sometimes talking about clothing or body image and stuff, it's not necessarily explicit, but it can be just in offhanded comments you make, you know? Um, and I would say our girls are just like any other girl as a teenager. I mean, thinking through the way they look and their bodies, especially as they're changing, I mean, is, is probably a, it's a constant thing on their mind. Would you agree with that? I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, we, yes, we are, 
we are um, we care about what our kids um, look like, how they dress. Um, as I'm thinking, are we relaxed or conservative? Well, most of our parenting is probably always going to be more relaxed. So that's yeah. more, um, but that can go in many different ways. I, I think um, at, by the time they become teenagers and they're, they're um, wanting to dress how they want to dress or um, I, I think by that point, hopefully you've invested a lot in them and talked enough to them to be able to now the conversations, instead of the conversations being do's and don'ts, but more being conversations of, um, well, let's, let's talk about that. Let's see, you know, how do you think this is, what is this portraying? What is this saying to others if you're looking this way? So I think we haven't had a lot of, um, like, no, you cannot wear skirts, you know, they have to go to your knees or we haven't had rules like that. We don't tend in parenting to have rules like that, but it would be more, um, but we do. I, we do. There's been several times where we're like, no, that's too short or too tight or t- shows too much, right? I mean, we do. Yeah. So like, the modesty thing for me is a. Well, I'm going to come back to this because you're. I'm, I cut you off, but yeah. I think in, in terms of like um, that kind of clothes, not necessarily, but as far as revealing and and what, yeah, what yeah. that says, I think that's where we had been more. Con- I, I'm we're, we're more like way more relaxed on the kinds of clothes just in general or even styles or the whatever, but like in terms of how much is revealing. Right. Um, and I feel like as a guy, I do bring, yeah, a, a, a perspective on that, but you, sorry. Yeah. To cut you off. Well, I would just say it's more of a conversation of rather right. than yeah. like, you are not wearing that out of the house. You know, maybe if, if after back and forth of, of, uh, <laughs> not agreeing on that, you know, at the end we, we would put our foot down and say, yep, that's just not something that, you know, you're going to wear. Um, but, but I think there's, there's conversations with that in, and, um, mm-hmm. in the end, I feel like when it's me and the girls and, and I, the last question I always tell them is, well, go ask dad and see if what he thinks, what he sees first thing he sees when he sees that. And, and yeah. usually, you know, if you're like, oh yeah, all I see is chest or <laughs> whatever yeah. it is, then, um, then that's kind of like a final save. So. Um, but I think the most important thing, I mean, I just think is as they're, you know, from teenager leaving the house is that's when you're wanting to start having conversations with them rather than, um, strict rules. And so, mm-hmm. um, I feel like we, we try to do that. Like, why, why are you wanting to wear something where your belly is showing? Like, why, why is that? You know, a lot of times mm-hmm. the answer is that's because everyone is wearing that. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think in the end, you know, it's like, well, not everyone is, but the people that you're referring to is, and what are they usually trying to, why, why are they trying to show? Um, yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've been trying, I've tried to instill just a very, a very honest, uh, evaluation of teenage boys. Like, I'm like, look, I was a, I was a morally good kid when I was a teenager and yet I was still a teenage boy. Boys I don't look, they can go to church 10 times a week. They want to have sex. They are probably struggling with porn at a young age. And I said, look, if you wear, you know, really tight pants, many guys are going to be staring at your butt and they are going to want, like you're, they are going to want to have sex with you and just put it flat out. Like, that's just the Mm -hmm. truth of it. And so I don't want to be like, I'm not trying to be like a prude or like, Oh, you know, like hyper modesty or whatever. I'm just like, you know, I want to, I want them to be honest. Like if you wear that, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to let you know, this is how guys are going to be looking at you. And this is what they're going to be thinking. And this is what they're going to want to do with you. 
do you still want to wear that? And, and for, you know, even like the belly thing, like there's certain, I'm mean, just from a guy's perspective. Oh, sorry. I, I guess I gotta say heterosexual guy. <laughs> I mean, just from a heterosexual guy's perspective, like there are certain types of clothing that I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that's probably not going to attract a lot of attention. And other types of clothing, I'm like, you know what? That, yeah, that you may see that as not sexual at all, but it's going to attract all kinds of attention. I mean, I know that's it's the big discussion is always like yoga pants. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, look, I'm just gonna tell you if you have if you're wearing yoga pants and you have, I don't know, how to say it, but I mean, if you have a, <laughs> a short shirt, a short shirt, and you have a butt that is going to attract guys, they are going to be staring at that nonstop. I remember sitting at Starbucks. I used Will to work. You- what? Oh. Well, I used to work at Starbucks in, in, oh, yeah. in, um, when I was in Simi Valley, and uh, I used to go in there every day, and I'd sit there and, and work on my computer, and there was, uh, specifically, there was one trainer, gym trainer, that would come in every day with yoga pants, not every single day, and she had a body, right? And I remember sitting there as she walked up and took the order, the, the rows of guys were visibly just, I mean, falling over their, like one guy was just like visibly like, oh my gosh, oh man, oh, and he was just like, and I'm like, do you, and I'm looking around all the guys, there wasn't a single guy there, I'm talking guys studying their Bibles, pastors preparing sermons, it doesn't matter, the entire room was just staring and groping her with their eyes, with their eyes, and I'm like, that's just the, fa- those are just the facts, like, it's not, and I'll, I'll even say like, that's, the, they need to own that, I'm not saying it's their, it's the woman's fault for doing that, I'm just saying this is, these are the facts, like, if if you dress in certain ways, guys will be groping you with their eyes. And when I tell my daughters that, they're like, "Ew!" Like they they're like, and I think that's a good sign. To like, no, I don't want that. So I don't know. I think just being like super honest with the way the world is and how they want people to respond to them in their minds, even you know. So well, you get you took each girl out on their own <laughs> and tell, tell them what you did. I just said, look, you showed them pictures and stuff. Right? Yeah, we actually scrolled. I think I typed in "sexy girl" or something in in Google and just went through images, or with maybe, each one, maybe not even like "cute girl" or something, and just went through and explained to them like, "Yeah, this is like, what do you think when you see this girl?" And they're like, "Oh, seductive," you know. And there's just certain things that do create a more seductive presentation. And I said, "Okay, so if you have that presentation, here is what." 95% of church going heterosexual guys and, you know, 99% of non well, I don't know if it's probably the same across the board. Like here is what is going to be going inside of them when they see you. Like, how do you feel about that? And I think having that honest conversation early on too, where they, I don't know. And, and our girls weren't like, Oh good. I want them. To, they were like, no, like turned off by that, yeah. you know? So, cause that's the goal. I don't want them to be like, Oh, my dad just, you know, doesn't want me to wear this. Like I want them to desire the ultimate goal is that they would desire to dress in a way that truly is God honoring. And, you know, mm-hmm. isn't, isn't causing, not causing. So I don't want to, I don't Again, I don't want to put the blame on the girl who's dressing the way she is. The, the blame is on the guy who's not disciplining himself, but we also have to be real with just the facts. Here is the world that we are growing up in. Yeah. Um, and then I had a thought, oh, we don't, like, we don't have rules about, like, what you have to wear to church or, you know, skirts yeah. only or those kind of things. Because I just, I feel like those are just rules for the sake mm-hmm. of rules. And neither of us are, are big on that. There's got to be a reason for the it rather than mm-hmm. just a, a preference. So, um, like, I know our, one of our friends has, uh, or sorry, one of our daughters has a friend who can only wear skirts out in public. And, 
And um, she all she talks about is how she can't wait to leave the house and because all she wants to do is wear jeans out in public. And I just think it's so sad because, like, that becomes her, her, like, goal, what she can't wait and her focus. And I just, I just don't want or we don't want, like clothing and body image to be the focus. So when mm-hmm. whenever there's something that's too strong or too talked about, then that is what they talk mm-hmm. about so much. And so, um, but that body, I'm looking at body image here on the, one of the, the question too, and that, that's definitely a mm-hmm. hard one. I think hard when you have teenagers, teenage girls that um, they want to look like everybody else or they care about what their body looks like. And I think... Um, we just always encourage them about health. I've been, I love health and love studying health. And so we've always uh, done a lot of work with uh, just teaching them to eat really healthy. And so I think when uh, conversations come up where someone's not feeling skinny or feeling um, like, you know, they're the biggest one in the family or any of those kind of things. I think I, we just always try to point them towards like, well, like, do you feel healthy? And then usually the answer is no. So then, well, what are you, what are you eating? What are you not doing? What are, are you exercising? Let's, let's focus on that so that it's not just how you look, but, um, how healthy are you? Cause I, I talked to them a lot about like, you can be so skinny and be on, your deathbed and not not healthy so we want or, strong or maybe bodies. not not super skinny but still eating healthy and some right. bodies are different you know yeah i think going back to the clothing thing too i think we we try to be more relaxed in clothing that really isn't in the modesty category even like if they wanted to get multiple piercings or if wear all black or dye their hair or something i mean none of our kids really wanted to dye their hair but i mean i think if we give leeway on stuff that really isn't to me, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, and they're too young to get a tattoo, but if they, you know, whatever they wanted to, it's like, to me, all those things are like, I want to give a lot of grace and freedom in that. So when it does come to more modesty issues, I can right. say, look, you know that we're lenient. We're not strict parents on this stuff. But when it comes to modesty, we're dealing with more moral categories now, whereas the other stuff is just not moral. I mean, they could right. shave their head if they want to do, and they wouldn't. But I mean, it's like, so, yeah. That's not the hill I want to die on. So what I tell them is that um, anything permanent or anything visibly permanent or um, that could leave a scar or anything that's um, somewhere visible, um, mm-hmm. they have to wait till like, I would say, or, yeah, leave yeah. the house and make your own decisions with that. So like one of our daughters wanted a nose ring, which I think nose rings can look really great, but... I, also, if you decide you don't want it anymore, you're going to have a scar on your nose. Mm-hmm. And so um, just in their young years where they, you know, they just are so convinced by the person sitting next to them um, getting a nose, you know, um, if they if she decides to get a nose ring as she gets older and she's really thought about it for many years, I'd be all for it. So um, I anything permanent, I mean, they all talk about different mm-hmm. tattoos they want to get and everything, <laughs> which is fine as long as they've thought really like min- multiple years on it. And um, I want them at least old enough to where they're not in like, tw- yeah. you know, 14, 15 years old where they're going to change their mind in the next minute. <laughs> so teenage girls change their mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we I, I got more to say, but why don't we keep going? Because there's so many other questions here. Um, okay, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Uh, okay. What? Oh, this, this oh is, yeah. What? What? I you're reading it. Sorry. Oh no. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, my wife and I have really tried to have continuous open age appro- 
sorry, continuous, open, age-appropriate dialogue about reproduction and sex with our three kids who are 13, 10, and 8. The topics of homosexuality, transgender, et cetera, has rarely come up. Can you speak to how much, oh, how to approach this conversation in a healthy way? Let me start by saying, for us, it's a little bit um, unique, given the ministry that I have, that I've got like, you know, sex books lying around the house, and we have, I give seminars and talks. If I get asked to preach a sermon at a church, it's usually on sexuality and gender, so our kids are kind of used to it, but I mean, that's... It's kind of like, I don't, I, I'm curious how we would have done it if this wasn't my primary ministry, but overall, I mean, I think um, would I would be a huge advocate of starting very early and making it very just normal, not taboo, but just talking about it, sex and stuff in a way that doesn't make it kind of a weird conversation. But Chris, you've done an amazing job at that more, more than I have. So do you have any thoughts? Well, on that? I, I, it makes me immediately think the very first time I remember thinking, oh man, this is the first time we're seeing it, was we were at the beach. We were living in California, so it must have been, I mean, let's see, we've been here for five years. I mean, maybe like eight years ago, so our oldest is 16, so mm. it'd make her eight. eight. So <clears throat> let's, yeah, so let's say eight. I remember we were at the beach and we saw a wedding of two brides and it was two dresses and um, we were sitting there watching and, and, um, you know, next thing you know, they're like, wait, why is there two, two wedding dresses, you know? And so that was like our very first, um, encounter and then with the kids. And then, um, not too long after that, we were sitting at, I mean, it must've been months or so that where we were sitting at a restaurant and we saw two boys kissing. So, um, that was eight years old. And I remember right then and there, and this was before you even yeah. started. I mean, maybe were you writing? I might've just started maybe like just blogging start- about it. Or yeah. Something. So, and I remember thinking, oh, I want to have these first conversations with them. Yeah. I want to talk, like I, I was not, I didn't rush them off from the beach and say, oh, don't look and everything. <laughs> I was like, let's sit here and watch this. Let's see how, how this is done. Because I knew if, if, it if the world is heading this way, I'm not, I'm not going to like not try to talk to the kids about it. I want to be the first mm-hmm. one talking to them about it. Mm-hmm. So that, I, so that mm-hmm. was kind of the very first thing is I think we, and from then on, it was just, yeah, what did you notice? Did you notice those two girls holding hands? What do you, what do you think of that? Or, you know, and, um, just open conversations from the very beginning, but at the same time, we have open conversations with the kids about everything. So it's kind of, we don't really have, I mean, almost probably to a fault. Sometimes we feel like, Oh, maybe we (laughs) shared too much or we've (laughs) talked too much, but, um, I would rather have really close relationships with the kids where they feel like they can ask us anything. And I really do think so. I don't think there's, they, there's not anything that they don't ask. And, um, and so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think too young, like, I mean, if I'm thinking about kids 13, 10, and 8, and if you don't feel like it's really rarely come up, I'll tell you, I'm sure that they've already talked about it or, or with other people or they have, have had thoughts or their curiosity has already hit. So um, right now at this time in, in this age, mm-hmm. it's never too early. I mean. Yeah. And, yeah, there's always age-appropriate ways to do it, yeah. you know, and I think you just have to navigate that. And I've tried to, especially through the research and ministry I've I've been engaged in, I've really tried to take the same kind of grace truth paradigm and and you know lead our kids in that way because like some kids will be more 
naturally more judgmental or pharisaical, right? And they're going to look at that and have kind of the, ew, or ooh, that's wrong, you know? And it's like, I'm going to kind of correct that kind of reaction, you know? I want them to see all people as equally in need of Jesus, you know? Um, At the same time, if they're kind of just overly permissive just in general or just like, you know, I don't want to, you know, say anything or even think anything that's critical of another way of life. I'm like, well, that's not really a Christian approach either. So trying to, you know, figure out which way they lean and try to navigate a healthy grace truth perspective on that. So, um, yeah, I remember one time, do you remember this? We're at the water park several years ago and there was a Mm -hmm. man in a, I mean, a man, man, not just like, but a man in a, in a, like a bikini or something. Yeah. Right. And I remember Kaylee or, you know, they were staring and they had kind of a negative reaction, but it's like, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I want them to say, wow, that person, I bet they really need Jesus, you know, and not just assuming just because the man was in a dress, he needs Jesus, but probably does. Right. Just like we all do. So, um, I just, yeah, I want to kind of dispel that, dispel, 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 discourage. don't know that word. You're, you're not going to help me out here. All right. <laughs> I want to discourage kind of having that maybe a pharisaical, judgmental kind of reaction rather than a gracious reaction while maintaining a firm commitment to the truth. And yeah, it's super hard. It's not easy with with kids. So yeah, so I would say start talking to them about it and just just start asking questions rather Mm -hmm. than coming out and saying, you know, let's let's see what the Bible says about this, but just ask questions like, what have you guys noticed? What have you, what do you see if they're in school? What do you see in your schools? Do you ever have... Um, our kids talking about this, what are, and just, um, I just think at the beginning, just without giving a parental, um, answer for everything, just really listening and hearing what, where they're coming from, because when you know where they're coming from, then you can know how to respond. I think a lot of times as parents, we just, we already know the right answer and we just want to teach it to them, Mm -hmm. but, um, that doesn't always work. And so, yeah, I would just say if you haven't talked to them yet, the 13, 10, and 8, then spend some time just asking questions, asking them what they think of it and what other kids are saying, what other kids think, and um, and then just, just be a listener for a little while. And then I think that a lot of times fosters into mm-hmm. questions that they would maybe ask you if they feel like you're safe or you feel like... I think because also, too, I w- we were talking with uh, a friend of ours last year, I think it was, and um, I forget the exact situation, but I remember she, she their daughter was a teenager and um, was all of a sudden like standing up for like um, kids in her school that were, um, you know, having different struggles, whether it was homosexuality or transgender or thing. And the parent was just shocked because she was like, why are, why are you standing up for me? And it was almost like mm-hmm. she felt like this, like she didn't want like the parents. So she already knew her parents view and she didn't want her parents just saying like negative things about, and I, and I thought, um, if you, if you have a safe relationship with your kids and they know that you're not going to just put their, their friends down or the people down, um, then they'll feel more open to talk about it rather than to just say, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that, that's the thing. Like your the ultimate goal. I mean, your kids are thinking what they're thinking. They have questions that they have questions about, they will choose to talk to you honestly about that if they know that you're a safe person to talk to. It's not going to come right out and judge them, but it's actually going to listen to them. So, yeah, like even in that situation, it's like, you know, it's almost like the parent interpreted them as standing up for their friends as like, you know, being I don't know, theologically affirming or whatever. When it's like mm-hmm. the, the kid was just 
doing something right, right? I mean, kids were being bullied or mis- being made fun of, and she stood up for them. That's like awesome, you know? But because they, in this specific topic, they hadn't had a kind of an open conversation, already it was kind of going in a direction where, you know, um, where the ch- where the kid didn't seem to, you know, be able to trust their parents as much as they should have. I, th- I think they ended up working it out and ended up being great. But, yeah, um, yeah I think just being... <laughs> Like at the end of the day, I, I want my kids to know that they can talk to me about anything. There's not a single thing they're struggling with or have questions about that I'm gonna, you know, look at them like, oh wow, you know, and and even have a the slightest judgmental mentality, even though I might be able to give them some guidance that they may not want to, you know, they may not agree with, or they they know that they can just talk to us about about anything. I think with all these questions, that's kind of the foundational yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you being the, I, I think you being the first person that talks to them about it opens up the door for them coming back to you. Mm-hmm. If they've already talked about certain topics with like friends for long periods of time, it's going to be more awkward and harder for them to come talk to you. So that was always our approach is let's be the first ones. Even yeah. with like dating and stuff, I always think about that. I always, I mean, none of our kids are dating anybody or um, anything, but I always... Um, I, I would love to be the first one that they would come to with a crush or with, um, you know, if they're thinking about someone. So I, I, you know, periodically just ask them, like, if they are thinking anybody's cute or if they're interested in anybody. And that way it's more of a normal conversation rather than the first time they have to admit to the family that mm-hmm. they like someone, which yeah. I just don't want that to be. And so it's it's finding the balance. You don't want to start too soon where it's like putting thoughts into their minds. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, we always talk along, mm-hmm. this is more dating, but, but about, you know, when the time is right, I'll be so excited for you. And if the, per- when the person is, is good, we can't wait to celebrate with you. Mm-hmm. So anyways, just being the first to have conversations with them at, about different topics. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one. There's three questions related to spanking, uh, grace-based parenting and discipline and rules versus punishment and all these things. I won't read them word for word. Um, but what one person did say, you know, as someone who believes in nonviolence, what is your take on spaking as a form of discipline? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do you, do, you want, do you want me to lead with this one or do you want to go? Or? Yeah, you can. I, we've got to shift this it. Is, I mean, yeah. I think this is one of the hardest co- yeah. <laughs> like answers for us because we yeah. definitely have changed <laughs> if yeah. i were to do it all over again here's the one <laughs> so for us i mean yeah we spanked we spanked our kids when they were young um and for us it, it, given the environment we grew up in it we didn't even question it it was almost like immoral not to spank right, right. i mean both of us it wasn't even like oh my gosh like and i feel like in our environment it was like if our kid was just even out of hand a little bit and people were kind of waiting you know when are you gonna spank them you know <laughs> like right. so we didn't really reflect on it um and this is long before I even got into nonviolence. So this was, you know, let's see, I wrote that book in 2012, came out in 2013. I would say it's probably 2010, 2011 when I even started thinking about nonviolence. But even then, it's almost like for a few years, I didn't even apply it to this question. I didn't even think about it. It wasn't like if you've read my book, Fight, I don't have a section on, on there on spanking or corpor- corporeal, corporeal punishment. Um, corporal. Yeah. How come I can't say I that? Corporal. Corp- corporal. 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 Not corporal. Corporal. Was it? Just, yeah. <laughs> you say just it. Corporal. Golly. I think. It's not easier said than done. So, um, 
it wasn't until the last few years when, I mean, and it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a cop-out, but we're kind of past the age of spanking anyway. So we haven't really, maybe at the tail end of Cody. I mean, he was a I good kid. I don't think kid, Cody's so had a spanking. He had a couple, but yeah. <laughs> maybe one or two years. So our kids, yes, yeah, some of our kids, you know, how do I say it? Required, not required, because I nullify what we're saying, but. Um, was a little more challenging. <laughs> but other ones, like we can just look at them and say, you shouldn't have done that. And they kind of burst out crying and say, I'm so sorry. And would write us a card and give us like money and, you know, to <laughs> because they feel so bad. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I would lean away from spanking now. I'm not sure if I'm 100% against it though. Are you? Would you say yeah, you are? I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I would not be able to. Would you say for yourself more. or for just as a Christian principle? Yeah, I just, it, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> it's, um, so you're basing your theology on feelings? Yes, now, whatever you want it to be. Um, no, I feel like there's a lot of other means that could be a lot more effective. I feel like um, I'm like with, with our one daughter that um, was more challenging, I don't even think giving her more spankings even worked or helped. I mean, it didn't do, you know, that's what she remembers. She remembers a lot of that, of spanking. And I just think, um, I just don't, I'm not convinced that that is the best method. I think it's very easy to cross the line when you're mad. And as much as as we try incredibly hard and tried to, um, to, not spank while you're angry. The fact is, is I'm sure everyone could admit this. You probably do it Mm -hmm. (laughs) six times out of 10 and be, you know, unless you're like really cooling down. And, and so I just think that that's such a, it's, it's such a scary method of when you're mad to Mm -hmm. just do a quick, um, yeah, I always felt bad about that. Cause, and and even if you look at like, say spanking as a non-punitive discipline, Versus a punitive, like, is it a punishment for a wrong they did or a form of directing them onto the right path? Like, um, I I would now say that I think spanking as a form of punishment for a wrong they did is not Mm -hmm. teaching them good theology in a sense. Like, we believe that Jesus took 100% of our punishment. So if they're getting spanked as a form of punishment, we're teaching them through a physical act. I mean, again, this is going to, this is stronger than just verbal teaching. This is actually building into them this idea that they need to atone for their sin, that the spanking, that Jesus's death wasn't enough, really. Um, and that's where I started getting really guilty. And I, I can't even say I stopped right away, but I was like, man, if it's like, you did this wrong, you're getting spanked. And then I turned right around and that, now let's talk about the atoning work of Jesus. It's like, it doesn't, and they catch it. They see the, the, the contradiction there. But if it's, what about like, okay, what about this? You have a one-year-old kid. And like when we lived in Scotland, they had the, and you UK listeners out there know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, they had the, 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 the heaters. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is like, I don't know how the, the child wall, safety wall code, heaters, the but... wall heaters that are like a thousand degrees <laughs> filled with hot water going through it. And when you have a one-year-old kid crawling around and they're about to touch the water heater and we, you know, okay, we'll redirect them. We'd redirect them. But then some of our kids, even at one years old, like, Oh, if they're being redirected, they're going to go back stronger, you know? And I will say a, a slap on the hand 
as they were about to touch. I, I don't know in that situation. Like I'm again, I'm not. They're not. It's not a punishment, but I'm trying to redirect them away from that. So I don't know how. how do well, you feel that's about a that? hard example because if they just touch it once, they're not going to touch it again. That's so true. that that's on their own. So it's kind of like <laughs> so let them touch this. Well, I, yeah, I probably would sit with them and and have their hand go as close to it as possible. Like take their hand, go as close to about to to. And be teaching them hot, hot. Now, if they and choose say no, to, like keep telling yeah, them no, no, but show how hot it is, um, you know it. And then if they touched it once, I know they're not going to do that. So that's a that's a harder yeah. example. Oh, um, Let me think of another one. But um, <laughs> that that's why if it's like training, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there were situations though where I'm like, I can't. They're too young to reason, or they're being unreasonable. And yeah, I and I don't want them to feel like they can just get away with what they want to do. Like I think that's equally dangerous, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, but yeah. are you saying that there's always there always is an alternative form of discipline that isn't corporeal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, would you I say would that? say I mean, so. I would say probably as I'm thinking back, probably the hardest stage with the spanking and the. Um, disciplining is like the twos and threes when tantrums begin, right? So trying to think, like I was just in the store the other day and this little two-year-old is just screaming bloody murder up and down the um, the aisles and just, I mean, <laughs> everybody was commenting. Everyone was so annoyed. And I'm trying to think like that that's a hard stage because th- there's, there's no reasoning. There's no like, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to do with them and stuff? And I think that's where like our life has to be so flexible mm-hmm. enough to just leave the store and, um, cause like in that situation, we would have taken them to the bathroom and spanked them. Yeah. And if they did it again, we'd spank them again or take yeah. them out and, and letting that go unchecked, wouldn't you agree, is also incredibly dangerous. Like, did the parent do anything or did they just pretend like it didn't well, just, exist? Yeah, that, it would just, I mean, I it, it's hard because it's like, you know, she probably need to get her groceries and get out. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure she was trying to go as fast as she can. And, um, you know, um, so that is, that is a hard thing. But I just don't know if the baby screams at you and you spank out of frustration and everybody knows that kind of screaming in your face there's you can't hold it like you can't be calm like with with the baby screaming at you like so that's to be able to spank in a way that is works with them is not is not helpful i mean um what would you yeah so what what do you do like what would you tell that parent in an ideal situation for non-spanking would you say you just well i do pick them up and leave or is there yeah i do think our kids Kids um, are more, they, they can understand. They know exactly from the time, mm-hmm. even eight months. They know, mm-hmm. like, when you, you you tell them, you know, like, sit down and you'll get this ice cream, you know, and you teach show them to sit down, they'll be on their best behavior for something good. So I think at a very young age, like, they're very aware. So I think on the reverse, you know, you can. Um, so in that situation, though, like, what do you. What would you I say do you, you look at them and say no, you stop, and of course the kid's just gonna keep screaming. Yeah, I would What's, definitely leave the in- store. Leave the store. Go sit in the car. Buckle them all up, and say, you know, in a calm voice, we're gonna go back in. And um, I would probably say something like, <laughs> I've been thinking about this. If we're gonna go back in and shop, if you scream, then I'm gonna take you home and give you a cold shower. And really? Yeah. Give them a cold shower. Hose <laughs> them off? Freezing cold shower. And just, you know. And Is just, that okay? That's. I don't think. Yeah, you're not doing. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. This is so hard. 
No, I like Hose Them yeah, Up. But I think that I think at two and three they can fully understand that. Oh boy, they you know so. So you wouldn't do a positive reward like, hey, if you stop screaming, I will give you this candy or whatever. No, like, not for that, but I am yeah, very I don't, I don't big. Like that. I'm very big on positive reward, or like positive reinforcement, but not on when they have, um, you know, when they're doing something mm-hmm. wrong. So a cold shower. I've never heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ice bath. And if you <laughs> if you keep screaming, you're going in the ice. <laughs> and then the hot tub. Oh my goodness. Yikes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, should we move on or is this? Yeah, I mean, this, this, this is, is really it's super hard because there are certain I, I think back and there's certain situations that if I said zero spanking, I'm like, I don't know what I would have done in a situation where it wouldn't because I I think it's equally, if not more dangerous, to let a tantrum go and I don't I mean can you like building into your kid the idea that if they scream loud enough, they will get their way. Mm-hmm. That's like dangerous, yeah. right? Well, I remember, I, mean, I remember it kind of clicked. I think our oldest was like five or six. And I remember thinking, I asked her, would you rather a spanking or would you rather um, like not have dessert tonight or something? Mm-hmm. I remember it was like oh, something. Yeah. And she right away was like, oh, I'll take the spanking. Yeah. she's like oh it's quick and easy it's done and um right then and there i'm like well you're not getting one and so then i what i realized with her that and with all mm-hmm. like kind of carried on with all all of the kids but that um you got to figure out what it what matters to them and what means a lot and what what's a hard thing like you're not gonna have dessert tonight when we're going over to our friend's house you know and you that was stick with it you, you have to stick with thing, it yeah. but it, but so anyways i i at this point, I mean, it's you know, it's easier like now that we're on this end. But I would probably use every other approach mm. as possible than spanking. So, Better. Not not easy. Yeah. All right, let's keep going here. Um, oh, here's but, here's the well, second one. I feel like you, you do have to, to say oh. at least a verse because somebody's going to ask. But like you know, what about the verse that says if you withhold the rod? Yeah. Um, so loving. So what would you say? Well, that? that's, yeah. So that's, that's what we did. We said the proverb, we used to say the proverbs command us to do this. First of all, the proverbs aren't commands. They're more general principles of wisdom. And secondly, that's in, that's, that's on the other side of the cross. Like, I do think there is something really theological about this question. Like on this side of Jesus, um, when Jesus took our punishment, I think that does reshape even things like parenting. And so, yeah, in the Old Testament, you have things like violence and corporeal punishment and everything. But I think that's it's significant that it is in, in the Old Testament. But there, there's a book. Did I tell you this is a book written on it that, that talks about kind of like why things change from Old and New Testament on corporeal punishment. Corporal. Okay, don't say that word. Corporeal. Anymore. What's corporeal? I don't know, but it's not. <laughs> okay, don't say it again. Corporal. It's <laughs> like embarrassing. <laughs> Everybody on the other end is thinking that is an annoying word. The other day I said uh, <laughs> oh, nuclear. Gosh. I said nuclear family. Whoa. It's, it's nuclear. There's no. It's. Did you know that? Somebody like was laughing in the back. I'm like, why are you laughing? They said you said nuclear family. I said, well, that's what it is, right? And they said, no, it's nuclear. And I was like, oh. oh my gosh, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> oh. All right, moving on. Let's talk about sex. Um, my wife and I are talking about kids right now, so this is prescient. Uh, what's sex like once kids are in the house? I'm really weirded out by that. <laughs> How did you know you wanted to have kids? Um, we can start with the easy one first. Uh, we both wanted kids before mm-hmm. we, I mean, when we're dating. Yeah. That was 
if you're out there and you're dating, I would make that really clear up front. Um, and I've I've really talked to you too much about this. My podcast listeners know it. What? Well, I I just I, and we don't need to dig into this too much, but I just I do think that marriage and sex is oriented towards having kids. Mm-hmm. Like I think we've too flippantly severed um, kids from the making of them. You know, like we've just said, oh no, sex is for pleasure. It's what married people do. It's romance. And oh yeah, if you also want to have kids, then that's you know a totally separate choice. I just think that that way of thinking is a product of our modern day culture. Like, I mean, clearly God designed sex for procreation. And again, obviously it doesn't happen all the time. Obviously there's things like infertility or old age, whatever. But to say, no, I'm totally going to have sex and have no desire to have kids. I just, I would say the burden of proof rests on you to say, well, wait a minute. If you are truly called to marriage, which involves sex, which is designed to be procreative, give me a better, give me a reason why you would say I'm, I want to go against, and maybe you do, maybe you're like, well, we want to adopt or whatever, but, um, yeah. So I would say if you desire to, if you feel called to marriage, you're, you're, you might also be called to having children or trying to, I don't know. And it sounds kind of Catholic, but yeah. So be good. it. All right. Um, all right. So do, how, how deep do we want to go here into the sex after kids are in the house? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you lead. You're a little more <laughs> private on this kind of stuff than I am, you think? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's, um, let's see. I think for us, it's been diff- it, it, not just having kids, but as they've gotten to be teenagers and we've had <clears throat> conversations yeah. with them. And like I said, <laughs> we have open conversations about everything. So naturally, they feel um, complete, like, a, like, so ability. When do you and dad do it? Did you yeah. last did you last night? This morning? Oh, which yeah, I tell I mean I do say, you know, those are those are those those specific questions are for me and dad and in our marriage and so they don't need to know those kind of things, but they you know they want to. In fact They want to know. Yeah, well she really? one of them just asked. Yeah, I always to... wonder like when you do because your oh, door is yeah. open at night. So yeah, we and this is where we disagree in our marriage. I'll just say it this way. Preston wants to close the door at all times, and I cannot have the door closed as I've tried so why? hard. I don't understand why. Because if there's a robber that comes into our there's house. There's no robbers in Boise. I, uh, uh, if a robber comes in their house, I want to be uh, the, like hear it right away. I want to uh, like hear if there's any sounds. And so me closing off my door makes me feel like I'm not protecting the kids. So it's a really hard thing for me. So that makes it there's really no... hard. Um, I'm a pacifist. What am I going to do anyway? <laughs> well, I'll protect him. <laughs> so anyway, so that's a hard thing. So yeah, we don't close our door at all times. And so it's... So if it did happen to be closed, they'd be like, what's wrong with mom and dad? Oh, are they doing that thing? Like, I mean, it'd yeah. be weird, right? Yeah. yeah. So I would say after having kids, yeah, that it's way more difficult. Yeah. Way more difficult. I mean, the tire, especially if you have little kids. Do you want to speak to that as a mom with four smaller children at home i mean i mean i think you're able your to more because i mean our kids just went to sleep at 7 30 desire yeah is definitely hard but when you we had little kids you'd yeah. fall asleep at 7 and i think that's has to be part of just your love for one another that um your commitment for one another is and that you know if you're just waiting around till when you feel like it or you want to then it might not happen when you have little kids um, because you're tired, and by 7.30, I was ready to go to bed, too. <laughs> the kids were in bed at 7.30. I was ready to go to sleep at 8. So, um, yeah, I think just knowing that you're serving one another in that way, especially 
you know, for us women to serve our husbands more in in that area. No. You good? Yeah. Any more? All right. Uh, okay, my wife and I have kids ages eight. What? We're oh, good. five kids. What, right? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, my wife and I have five kids ages uh, 18 to 5. What is your approach to speaking biblical truth into your children's lives? We've tried to have scheduled devotional times where we read God's word together and have discussions, but I have uh, wondered often if this is the best approach versus something more organic. I've taken the approach that God's words are life and they are critical to our family's growth and unity, but sometimes I feel more like a Bible drill sergeant than a loving teacher. What approach do you guys have? And then there's another question that's kind of similar to this that talks about instilling... Um, faith into your kids, tips for praying with kids, um, even praying in kind of a kind of a glib, superficial way, like, God, we pray that you have a really fun day tomorrow, you know? Is that teaching them the true meaning of prayer and so on and so forth? So, um, uh, yeah, I so we definitely have taken, we, we've kind of been all over the map on this, not really intentionally. I'm sometimes it's like, man, we'd love to read the Bible more, but we're just, yeah, we get tired. Life gets crazy or whatever. Or kids are going different directions or, or I'm out of town and we woke up late, whatever. Like there's, there's natural things in life that have, you know, that come up that make it more difficult to have the more scheduled time. But then also we would be much more on the organic rhythm of life thing to where we do spend. It's almost like there's an, just an, throughout the day, there's an ongoing open conversation where God and the Bible is hopefully integrated into various aspects of life rather than kind of a scheduled time. Having said that, though, I mean, I, I, I personally would like to do more of the scheduled stuff than, than I typically do. I mean, you've, you've probably been better at that than I have. But. Well, I feel like when the kids were little and our, they went to bed at 730, that was very, it was such an easier time. I know at that time I felt like life yeah. was so busy. And now I think on this end, having more teenagers, that that's when life is busy. I mean, our, our kids are staying up later than we are and they mm-hmm. want to talk late. And so, but when, when they were little and they're asleep at 730, we would do, you were really good at reading the Bible to them every night, really. I mean, you weren't traveling that much when they were little. So every night, you know, for half an hour, you just read them stories and, and they loved that. And I, mm-hmm. they still talk about that. And, um, and then I think it's, it's changed now that, you know, different schedules, we have different activities at night and different, um, you know, kids staying up at different times and mm-hmm. going to bed at different times. So that's made it really hard. And, um, I think, yeah, our, our way of, of just family is more organic. So it would be, it's not really like us to like yeah. get up and have rigid, like, you know, six thirty Bible time. And, but you um, last year you were doing your devotions I, with Kalia. Yeah. Is that when she was at yeah, like, public yeah. school more? Or? Yeah. So when she, before she would go to school, yeah. we'd have a little like 15, 20 minute time together. But I think it's more, it needs to like for us, it's just, it, I don't like things that I get so bored with the same thing over and over in life. So, mm. If it's just always the way, you know, this is how we always do it. For for me personally, I just I just get just I feel like it just becomes too ritual and and bored with it. So I I look at each stage at different as like oh well this stage this will work or this chapter in our life will this will me uh, work better. I mean the one thing I I really do love praying and I always have so 
I think all throughout the day, I mean, the kids will just pray randomly. If we see something or if we hear of something, we'll just like, let's just pray real quick or let's pray for one another. And so that's a, it's a lot easier for me with the kids to do that and, um, and just teach them to, let's just point it back to Jesus. Um, and then reading, um, well, when, when, I mean, when everyone was homeschooling, it was a lot easier because we would just, before we started school, we would mm -hmm. um, just all read and do a little devotional. Um, this last year, everyone was kind of going in different directions. A couple of them were in school and others in like part-time school and different things. So that's made it a little more difficult. Um, maybe something mm -hmm. I think we would love to be a little bit more consistent on, but I just think there has to be some grace and just the way our life is is going and where it is, where it's at but mm -hmm. mainly just having open conversations you know of like um and the main the main goal is like i want them to like actually love the bible and sometimes going about this in in the wrong way could not help that it could hinder it you know i, I mean how many people do you know are raised in really strict, you know, Bible teaching kind of families that ended up just kind of hating the Bible, you know, and I don't know if that's, I don't think it's the parents' fault or anything, but I mean, yeah, the ultimate goal is that they would love, love Jesus and love the faith and love reading the Bible. And I, I I'm, I'm really blown away at how much our three oldest just have taken on their own to like mm -hmm. read almost every day and study. And this, like, it's been like a year since that really clicked for some reason. Yeah. What, what do you think that was? I mean, I'd like to think because of us, but I don't know. Is yeah. It, I don't know. Yeah, different things. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, last question here. How do you balance protecting children from evil in the world while still preparing them to handle that evil as an adult? Or another way to phrase it would be, how do you balance trying to give your children an innocent childhood without making them so sheltered that they can't handle the real world? This is a fantastic question. And I don't, man... Um, this is kind of the this is kind of the gist of parenting here, right? I mean, this mm -hmm. is kind of like the thirty thousand foot look at that tension. Um, I mean, just the fact that you're asking the question speaks volumes. I think this is because some people don't ask the question; they would just do one or the other. Like, no, we need to throw our kids in the world at five years old, and that's how you, you know, they become disciples. And other people, no, you need to shelter them completely, and that's how they, you know, protect them from all the evil. And we would like, as you could probably guess, take it somewhere in the middle road generally i mean yeah um we've because we've homeschooled all of our kids at some point now they've all of them now have been in public school at some point too and now they're in a kind of a, a hybrid they go to school two days a week and they're home the other two days fridays are off yep <laughs> <laughs> we party on fridays um so i think because we have for the most part, homeschooled our kids most of their years. We try to offset that to some extent by talking through the world and exposing them. So we've tried to put them in different things and, or even like, I don't know, like we're fairly lenient on music and movies. I'm not as lenient as some people actually. We're, we're kind of in the middle of that. I mean, yeah. um, but we, we try to talk through like, you know, all of our kids know, culture fairly well they know pop music we go on mission trips we we travel a lot together we try to we try to expose them to the world and live in the world with but with them and and so that we can kind of disciple them in that but um that makes i don't know makes it sound too good is that i mean we, we're just kind of shooting from the hip with, with a lot of this stuff but yeah yeah 
I mean, we've never been ones to shelter our kids or want to shelter the, the kids. So mm-hmm. um, we always put them in activities. They're always around other people and adults. And I mean, you, um, we don't shy away from anybody that looks different than us or maybe mm-hmm. looks edgy or anything. If anything, we kind of run straight to them if we see people, mm-hmm. um, you know. Um, so I think, um, but I guess our approach was that um, we actually want them to very much be aware of the world and, and love people in the world, but we want to be just their main influence in their younger years. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of why we started homeschooling because it was just give us, give us some extra years with them when they're younger to be um, as much of an influence, have much as much uh, impact in their lives as um, than somebody else would. Um, so... Um, and then with that, being able to um, just figure out life kind of together and how what it looks like. And, and so, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks so much, you guys, uh, to my Patreon supporters for these wonderful questions. Um, if you have more, you'll probably have more that are going to be uh, sent in because I asked I ask you guys just under two days ago to submit your questions. So if you have more questions, you're going to submit. Um, I'll try to do those at a later podcast. Maybe it'll be a Patreon only podcast or something uh, in July. So thanks so much for your questions. Uh, any parting words for our parents or aspiring parents out there, Chris? Um, no, but I was thinking with questions, if you have more questions, um, it would be fun to do like, what would you do oh, yeah. on, and it would have to like, we would, could just give real quick answers of just first thing that comes to your mind. What would you do <laughs> on these circumstances? Maybe that could be kind of, yeah. um, because it's so much easier when you are not in this situation, uh, to look at the, another person's situation yeah. and say, Oh, try this or, you know, yeah. so but yeah, I mean... It... What, what do you do when, my, when your kid's screaming in the store? Ice bath. <laughs> <laughs> uh... All right, let's close out. Thanks for listening to Theology in Raw. We will see you next time.